Welcome to Market Week in Review for the week ending January 6, 2023. I'm Sophie Antelgibert, and I'm joined today by my friend and colleague, Chief Investment Strategist for Russell Investment, Eric Ristovin. Hi, Eric. How are you? I'm great, Sophie. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. I think we're still just barely allowed to say that. But yes, a very yes. happy New Year to you, too. It's wonderful to see you again. I am looking forward to getting your take. We're only a few days into the new year, but maybe we can start with a bit of a wrap up of what happened last year and at the end of last year in markets and then look at what has happened this week so far and some news out of D.C. How does that sound? Sounds good. Can you help us take a little bit of a trip down the the very end of last year sort of memory lane? Um, I think we haven't done a Market Week in Review in the past couple of weeks, so maybe refresh our memory on on January 1st. How had markets ended on December 31st? What should we? What is the state of play now at the very beginning of the year in terms of markets? Okay, which I think is helpful because the last time we did a, a Market Week in Review was I think mid December. So, uh, not it, it, the short answer is not a whole lot happened in the last two weeks of the year in terms of markets. Nothing major, anyway. Um, in, in general, the the equity markets were effectively flat. I mean, a little bit of volatility, but actually not very much volatility actually coming into the end of the year. Um, Yields, as a general rule, were pretty stable, and uh, credit spreads were actually fairly stable towards the end of the year. Now, having said that, there was a lot of <laughs> what was the boring last couple of weeks was the end of a year that was you know far from boring, uh, and and in, in just generally a, a, an awful uh, year for for capital markets. You know, you look at the U.S. market; it, the the S and P five hundred was down nineteen point six six percent. The the small cap index, the Russell two thousand was down about 20 and a half percent. Non-US indexes actually outran the US um, market, which is interesting, even from a US-based perspective, a US investor perspective, because it was a strong dollar year. And strong dollar years usually mean weaker non-US equity returns to an American investor. Um, and that actually, if you look at the, the EFA index, for instance, it was down about 14.4% on the year. And the world XUS was down about 14% on the year. And again, the, U, the, the Russell 1000 was down about you know 19% and the S&P about 19.5%. So you saw better stock performance outside the US than inside the US. I think we would argue, and I think we've been saying throughout the year, that that's probably a recognition of the expensive valuation of the US coming into the year. You know, the U.S. market to a large degree, some of the markets anyway, were priced for close to perfection and, and didn't get it. I, I think we did see yields in the last month rise um, at the more towards the beginning of December. Uh, and, and so I think that really tells you that the, the market is still trying to figure out because we saw 50 basis point hike in December in the Fed and Bank of Canada. I mean, you saw a whole bunch of other banks kind of raise, even the Bank of Japan raised interest rates. Right? So I think you, you get a sense the market was beginning to be aware that maybe inflation, the inflation dragon was not, not dead yet. It looks actually quite far from dead. All right. Well, thank you for reminding us where where the end of the year was. Um, that's a little sobering, Eric. Um, so now we have turned the calendar to a new year, hopefully a better year in markets at the very least. But looking at the moment, we've had a few news items out of Washington, D.C. in the U.S. this week. Fed meeting minutes um, this week. Obviously, t we're actually recording this on Thursday, January 5th in the afternoon. And so we know that tomorrow the Bureau of Labor 
Labor Statistics will be um, publishing their latest non-farm payroll um, data. We also still are in the hopefully ending innings of um, Speaker of the House elections um, in Congress. So where does all of that leave us? Can you maybe give us a flavor of, from your perspective, looking at this from sort of a market standpoint, what are the highlights? I think, it, you know, other than for political junkies and, and people who have a you know, very keen interest in politics, American politics, I wouldn't spend a lot of time on the speaker, at least as it relates to market things. The, the market is expecting gridlock, right? You, you've seen the, the House flip to Republican control, even though they're having difficulty getting consensus on a speaker. Um, you, you can't override a veto. The Democrats still own the Senate. The presidency is still Senate or still a Democratic. So it, it's going to be gridlock. Right. And and I think maybe expectations of gridlock are actually being reinforced by the, 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 the speaker vote. So I think that's kind of a non-event from my perspective, from a market perspective. The Fed minutes was a little more of an event, but but I think just really kind of fed into the expectations that investors were building in. Like I said, in the last month, you saw interest rates in the U.S. actually globally, you know, sovereign interest rates rose. Um, and, and I think that was the beginning that, again, that idea that the inflation dragon was far from dead. And, and really, I think the Fed minutes just kind of reinforced that, particularly as it relates to their concern over the labor market. The labor market's overheated in the United States, um, you know, and, and, and that dovetails in tomorrow. Right. So the non-farm payroll uh, is expected to come out tomorrow. Right now, consensus is 200,000 jobs. Um, that is you know, this is we're in this good news is bad news scenario as it relates to that number, right? I mean, it's great people are employed and, and 200,000 people found new jobs. That's fantastic. You know, it, it's kind of in a human level, on a macroeconomic level, it's not so good because the, as we've been talking about for the last nine months, the biggest form of inflation the Fed is concerned about is wage inflation. And 200,000 jobs isn't taking any pressure off of wages in terms of the inflation forces there. So it reinforces the expectation the Fed is not done raising rates. Um, the market, you know, is, is north of 5% now in terms of expectations of the Fed funds. So that that probably is a reasonable expectation. Um, you know, at least 5%, I think, is a reasonable expectation. We're at four and a quarter to four and a half. So, I, I, you know. Expect uh, probably a good number. If it's a blowout number, um, well above 200,000, I think you're probably going to see a negative market reaction. And ironically, if it's a if it's a it's a if it's a number that disappoints in terms on the downside, you might actually see a positive market reaction because the, the big concern is inflation and how much that's going to have to push the Fed to even be more restrictive in its policy. We'll see tomorrow and see how it plays we out will. next week in terms of market reaction. Exactly, exactly. Well, um, thank you so much, Eric. Unfortunately, that's all we have time for today. But as you said, we will be back again next week. So we do look forward to, um, to hearing what else is happening and what else is sort of front of mind for you and for your colleagues next week. So with that, thank you, Eric. And thank you for joining us. We'll see you again soon.